Welcome to the podcast, And the Church Said. This podcast discusses faith, mental health, church, and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson, and I am your host for this podcast. Consider me your church counselor and consultant who is discipling the body and the members in mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I am trained in both psychology and theology, equipped and equipping for the work of the ministry. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. This applies also to our special guests who have opinions and professional insights and expertise of their own. Their contribution is also not to be regarded as therapy. Our aim here is to hold conversation around these important topics regarding the church and mental health. So thank you for joining us for this episode. Hello, everyone. So glad to have you join us on today. And thank you all so much for celebrating with us on last week as we turned two years old. Still cannot believe we have been at this for two years. So I'm so grateful for the ways that you reached out to thank us. I'm grateful, my goodness, for even the gifts that were shared with the podcast. Um, Just the many expressions of celebration. I'm so grateful to you all for the various ways that you reached out and that you celebrated with us. So thank you so, so much. And um, although we have already published over 100 episodes um, with the podcast overall, this week, this episode today is episode number 98. So in two weeks, Lord willing, we would have published um, episode 100 episodes. That's what I'm trying to say. We will have published 100 episodes in two weeks, if the Lord wills, for the ones that we have published on Sundays. So I'm really, I'm excited, really excited, even about that milestone. So yeah, although we have done 100 overall, like in the name of the podcast, these that we release on Sundays, we are too shy, too shy of 100. So we have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to be grateful for. We're just really excited, um, you know, just in our obedience, just trying, as I said last week, to continue to be obedient to the work that the Lord has invited us to do. So thank y'all so much again for how you have celebrated with us and um, the ways that you have just extended your your expressions. Those have been so beautiful and God links all along the way with me. Um, I just said to someone else recently that as I often say that this is an act of obedience. This is, this is, <laughs> it is an act of obedience. And although that there are times I am asking God, like, what is beyond this? Like, you know, the times where I feel as though I am talking to myself, even though you all have assured me that I'm not, 
But sometimes I, I do, I do, I, I wonder like what, what is, you know, like what is the grand scheme of this? But I had to recognize that the end goal very well may be just obedience. And I think I hinted at that or talked about that a little bit last week. That could be the end goal. What if God is just saying, just obey me? You know, it's not for some blessing because so, so many times we've heard that, you know, we've been conditioned to hear that, that once we obey their, their blessings and, and there are, there are blessings in the obedience, but sometimes we, we tend to think of how does that look, um, materialistically. And I, and when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to get a house. Oh, I'm going to get a car. I'm, I'm speaking more of how do, how do these things materialize? How do these blessings materialize? And sometimes the blessing is being obedient. So yeah, just thought I'd share that with y'all. Hadn't said that aloud, apparently, because I feel like I just kind of rambled my way through that. But I did have this conversation not too long ago. And for whatever reason, I was led to share it right here, right now. And so I did. So thank y'all for just indulging me with that. Again, I thank everyone who has listened to the podcast and those that share the podcast with others, those who follow the, the podcast those who have been guests, as I said last week, my heart is really, really, really so grateful from, um, for everyone who has been on this journey with me, whether you've been on it from episode one up until this one, or if you came aboard somewhere along the way, I am really, really, really grateful. And I am humbled that God asked me to do such a thing. So, Let's move on to our discussion of today. And today I'm just going to simply talk about community. Okay. So we hear this term and this concept spoken a lot here lately. Um, it would be trending, if you will, if we had the right algorithm in place. We talk a lot about community, especially in faith spaces, spiritual connections and where um, spiritual formation is taking place in community. So we commit to discipleship in this, this concept of community. So we're hearing a lot of discussion around community. And I just wanted to um, pick up the conversation from kind of my little corner of the world and talk about it a little bit on today. So when I'm talking about community, I want to define it according to Comibs and Wagner and Associates. They have authored a book that is called Leadership for a Better World. And this book is a book that I used as I taught um, a leadership development in human services seminar some, some years ago. I taught that, uh, that class. But as a systems-based thinker and therapist, I can really appreciate their model in their book. And I focus and their focus on how individuals impact communities. So I often focus on the intrapersonal relationship. And I'm sure so many of you guys have heard me talk about that, that relationship with self and how that influences the interpersonal relationships. So I can resonate with their model of leadership development and affecting change. 
they also conceptualize leadership as a process as opposed to a position. And I so wholeheartedly support that, um, that thought because I think of every individual as a leader. And I do believe that it's not a position. I believe it's a process because I do believe that in order for us to lead others effectively, we must first be willing and able to lead self. So this is more of a process. It is a, um, a developmental journey, if you will, uh, where we are being formed, you know, as leaders um, of ourselves intrapersonally. And in some ways we are journeying toward how do we lead others when we interact with other people. So I love that, that they look at leadership as a process as opposed to a position. So I'm going to be referencing this book quite a bit as I continue to think on and imagine the beloved community um, with the focus on emotional and mental well-being. Remember when I introduced to you guys the church, the community for healing, uniting, restoring in Christian hope? So I'm reimagining church. I'm, I'm thinking of this place and what does it look like and what does it need to look like? What do we need for it to be? And what does it need to be in the times where we find ourselves living today? So these authors define community as people associated with one another through shared interests, perspectives, attitudes, or goals. But in, but in addition to this affiliation, community implies a shared responsibility toward achieving something bigger than the individual. Furthermore, it is stated that there are various dimensions of community that comprise not only the physical location where a group of people live or take part in a joint activity, but also reflect shared experiences, cooperative and intentional engagement among the members and a diversity of participation and expertise. Since communities are made up of individuals, let's think this through about who are these individuals. And keeping with the context in which Comives and Wagner's report, we will use the term citizens. So I embrace this definition as they expand the thinking of this term citizen. So the authors state, to speak of an individual as a citizen requires us to think in terms of multiple communities, large and small, to which the individual belongs. However, citizenship means much more than mere membership. Rather, it implies active engagement of the individual in an effort to serve that community as well as a citizen's mind which is a set of values and beliefs that connect an individual in a responsible manner to others. Citizenship then 
is the value that responsibly connects the individual and the leadership group to the larger community and society. So I love how they term citizenship as a value, reminding us that we are indeed connected to a larger community and society. It does not matter whether people think so or not, they are connected. When we demand like our individual rights, we should consider how does my demand of what I want impact society at large? How does it impact society at large? And you know, that means others beyond ourselves. As I think about this and imagine the beloved community, how does this look lived day in and day out? Because I am certain that we can understand and even agree upon that to be good citizens looks differently for each individual. Some people are good citizens in how they care for the environment. Others are good citizens by serving as government um, officials. Others are good citizens by donating resources for community programs. Some people are good citizens by checking on their neighbor next door. So many ways citizenship finds itself on display. And in this day and time, we also have to consider digital citizenship because digital citizenship is really a huge thing. And as I imagine, as I reimagine church, we have to consider digital citizenship as well. And so how we as citizens of the church ought to be is what I am thinking about here lately, I'm contemplating this, I'm really sitting with this in the nuances, especially in the time that we find ourselves in, in history. But before I move a bit further, these authors also illustrate what must take place within that intrapersonal relationship as one leads one's self. So they state that there must be an interaction among one's knowledge, attitudes, and skills. It is important that one acquires knowledge, that is knowing, integrates that knowledge into beliefs and attitudes, that is being, and applies knowledge and beliefs in daily life. And that is doing. So there must be this interaction among one's knowledge, attitudes, and skills. So as it relates to the value of citizenship, Comibs and company state, as far as knowing, we must acquire knowledge of community building, collaboration, social responsibility, and larger social issues, 
personal and community values, rights and responsibilities, and social justice and equity. We must integrate the knowledge and embrace beliefs and attitudes such as a belief in one's personal ability to make a difference, a sense of belonging to one's communities, patience with self and others, optimism and pragmatism, appreciation for diversity, interdependent thinking, an ethic of care, tolerance for ambiguity, and respect for self and others. And finally, we must apply that knowledge and then do the following. An ability to work with others across differences, to be in reflective thought and meaning making, self-motivation and determination, diplomacy, empathy, creativity, critical thinking, interpersonal communication, an ability to challenge assumptions and advocacy. Yeah, that's a lot to really think on and to really marinate on. How is it that we take our knowledge and we interact with our knowledge, the knowing, the acquiring the knowledge that is knowing, integrating that knowledge into beliefs and attitudes that is being, and then applying that knowledge and beliefs in daily life that is doing. Yeah. So I want to just consider um, a passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. Now, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. So when we think about that particular passage, and I'm not going to get real, real deep into this. I'm just, again, in a process myself of just contemplating and just really inviting you to do the same, just imagining um, what this community what does it need to look like? So to assume that there are different gifts means that we can safely assume that there are different individuals who possess various gifts. So we're not going to be alike, but the way that we are alike is that it's from the same spirit. All of our differences, our different gifts, our different ministries, our different activities comes from the same spirit. 
each individual, each of us, each citizen, if you will, we are given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. How do you use what God has given you? Remember last week when I talked about how God has given us by grace gifts to be used to serve others? How do we how do we how do we use what God has given us to heal? How do we use what God has given us to unite? How do we use what God has given us to restore? And also If you, me, we need to be healed, if we need to be united, if we need to be restored, where do we go? Because if you were in need of one of these, if I were in need of one of these, it would be reassuring to know that there exists such a community that has these various gifts to offer that there are these different people who value um, the diversity of others and who are interdependent on one another. Don't you wanna know that a community like that exists when you stand in need? And don't you wanna be a part of contributing to such a community? So I I believe that um, as I kind of close out here, I think that we need to consider that there are times that we will be able to heal as well as there are going to be times that we need to be healed. There are times that we can unite and then there are going to be other times when we need to be united. There are times that we can restore And there will be other times when we ourselves need to be restored. Yeah. Community. Being a citizen. Leading ourselves as a process. Not as a position. How do we do this? How do we manifest these gifts for the common good? How do we consider a larger responsibility to others than ourselves? I think that this is where we just are going to kind of sit and ponder. Y'all know that's one of my favorite words, right? We have to ponder, what does this look like? What does this require of us? So we can serve others so that we can work together for the common good so that we can exercise what spirit the same spirit has given all of us as different individuals we can manifest that that is given to us for a common good a common good. This is how I'm imagining community. This is how I'm imagining church as a community for healing, uniting, and restoring in Christian hope. Until next time.
Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. After you have heard my call to consider the community that you find yourself in, and how do you, as a citizen, how do you know, how do you be, how do you do within that community? How do you take what God has given, the manifestation of the spirit in each person for a common good? How do you take that? And how do you use it to serve others? That is my call. What will be your response? And the church said, 